0: Have you ever wondered about life's biggest questions? Like, why am I here? What happens when we die? Or what else is out there? Well, we have and we love to talk about it. And if you're listening, we think you probably do too. I'm Robin. And
1: I'm Karen. And we've spent our lives searching for those answers, and we're seekers just like you.
0: We'll be talking to some of the most fascinating spiritual teachers, healers, and scientists, and showing you how you can use some of their spiritual practices for yourself.
1: We'll also be sharing stories of other seekers to motivate you to live your fullest
0: life. And we'll be translating it all so the spiritual stuff won't feel so out there.
1: So if you're curious, get ready to rediscover why we're here together.
0: We're so excited to introduce you all to Alison Feehan. She's a holistic practitioner, Reiki master, as well as a spiritual intuitive and medium with a focus on what's going on from a medical perspective. Yep, we're going to be talking with
1: Allison, and you'll get an idea of how Allison works because you'll meet fellow seeker
0: Irene, who just had a session with Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi. Oh my God, so happy to see you. Thank you for having me on. When did you know you had these intuitive gifts? Well, the
2: gifts started when I was four years old. My mother told me lots of stories. I remember a lot of these experiences, but um, high school was probably pretty significant to me as knowing that this was more serious, (laughs) if you will, than I I realized it was when I was younger. So I was really young when it started. It's not the best experience to have them at nighttime when you're a child, to have them kind of come into your room and want to talk to you. I had experiences where they would sit down next to me in a chair if I was, and I could see the chair kind of the indentation of the chair moving.
0: As a child, that's scary. Very, it was very scary. Were you scared to go to bed?
2: Yes, I still, I sleep with an eye mask and <laughs> sleep with earplugs. Mm-hmm. I still somewhat have issues with nighttime because they like to come out at night. They, it's when it's quiet, it's when the body's resting, the brain waves slow down and allows us to be more receptive to information, which is why we have such beautiful dreams at night. Right? We have visitations at night, whether it's in person, right? in person or through dream state. So for me, it was just extremely active as a child. And it took me much longer in life to learn how to control it, if you will, or, or work with it to understand the information coming out.
1: Yeah, that that was going to be my next question. So did you carry that through high school and into college? And did you tell other people that you were having these experiences?
2: Yeah, in high school, my house was considered the haunted house. So I did, it was, it It was out there that a lot of people knew that stuff was going on. I didn't openly practice, if you will, like I practice now. And then as I got much older and married, things shifted again. And that's when I really kind
0: of fell into my power. Everybody communicates with spirit differently. How do you do that?
2: So I have three clairs that I consider my sweet spot, right? So the three clairs are the clairvoyance, which is the gift to see. So I don't see visually like I used to as a child. I think it just became too terrifying. So I see with my third eye. And then my clairsentience, which is my gift to feel. So spirit will actually make me feel bald or short or tall or fat or skinny. And then claircognizance, which is just the clear knowing, right? I just know things like I know the color of my couch and, you know, I have to say the Claire Sentience is probably the strongest. I do sometimes will get a name, but I don't necessarily hear it. So my, some of my clairs are not as strong as others. So I always say those are probably my, my three sweet spots.
1: That helps. So fast forward, you go through college and you get your corporate job, you get married, you do all of the serious adult things. And then what happened?
2: Then I had a baby.
1: <laughs> okay. <That> changes everything. <laughs>
2: everything the sensitivity started to with me started to pick up really quickly My husband and I bought an old house and what I mean old over a hundred years old so it was part of the historic society the house had creaks and bumps and the dog was noticing things and I was up feeding her in the middle of the night one night her crib toys started to go off I started to notice a woman wearing this like high collar Victorian, type blouse and she kept coming into my daughter's room checking on her checking on her she was a little territorial with her and I thought no we're not doing this this is my child so she never was harmful but she was just very protective of this child almost kind of wanting to mother her wanting to nurture her and it was almost a nightly a nightly thing with this woman what was interesting is fast forward about a year later we went up into the crawl space attic portion of her bedroom and found a moth-eaten high neck lace blouse in the attic. So she oh. must have lived there at one time must have had children and she never really interacted. It was a little residual, but she was mindful of my daughter. And so it really started to kick off after I had my daughter. And that's when I was really starting to pay attention again that wow, it this whole gift just took a break for a while between high school through college and getting married. And as soon as I had a child, like the mother bear instinct kind of just Awoke and I was just very mindful of other energies around. And you at the time, you had this corporate job. Yes, that was difficult. I found myself starting to close my door a lot to my office, draw the blinds. I felt kind of disconnected to how I was really saving the world and kind of giving back. I didn't feel that the job was very rewarding in a lot of ways. I was good at the job, but I just was starting to see you know, things for what they were. I could, I could feel people's energy when they were sick or depressed or deceitful or lying. And it just became overwhelming for me. And so I started to moonlight doing this work at home. And before I knew it, it just spirit really wanted me to go in this direction and my business and experiences just exploded in a beautiful way. And so I was able to lead
0: work. You are a multifaceted healer. It's not like You're just an intuitive and a medium. Like you are a Reiki master. You're a doctor of naturopathy. How did you do all that? What kind of training did you have to go through and what made you actually want to dive into all of that?
2: Yeah, again, it all started with my kids. I started to notice my kids were sick. So then I became their advocate for them doing research, wanting them to get well and it really took, took me down this holistic path. And it was really what I wanted to be doing. So it was this evolution, if you will, of spiritual awakening, falling into my power, taking control to be an advocate for my children. And I just kept going back to school. Might I just kept multitasking and moonlighting and multitasking and it was all how it was meant to be But uh, spirit was leading me up to this point and I'm so grateful for it. It was a lot of work I, I did have to go back to school for the doctor of naturopathy degree on what you what they consider a traditional naturopath a traditional naturopath goes back to old medicines more homeopathy iridology, you know herbs and not necessarily medical, right? So I wouldn't suture you or do surgery on you or write a script for you or diagnose you. I would take, you basically come see me when you feel like you've run
0: out of options. You also became a master in Reiki, right?
2: Yeah. So I, I had an intuitive tell me that I sh- that I was a healer and that I should really look more into the healing aspect. I took the Reiki class and I'll never forget my my teacher had said to me, I love the art of how you perform Reiki. It's very different than what I've seen any of the other students do. And my intuitiveness, she said, was not Reiki. It just expanded me more. And she said, I've never seen anybody really look at somebody else's body in a medical way while doing Reiki. And for whatever reason, whenever I did Reiki, I could just tell that the body wasn't vibrating at the rate it should be and certain organs, or there was blockages or things that needed to be looked at. And so it really expanded this whole other view. And so you tie that in with wanting to be holistic and the children, right? Everything just started to become so intertwined. So
0: when you started doing the Reiki, that's when the medical intuitive part came into play?
2: Yes. And that's when I was like, I really think I need to go back to school and become accredited so that I can at least speak... (laughs) Uh, you know, from a, you know, more professional perspective about what it is that I'm seeing on on my clients. I mean, I've seen anything from infertility to a woman struggling with infertility to being able to become pregnant and knowing she'll become pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, seeing that there was nothing wrong with them, that they had to change something else in their diet in order for their terrain of their body to become well enough to, to become pregnant. So
1: I've seen a lot of things I love that because I feel like a lot of people have been opened up by the energy aspect of healing. Like that tends to be the first step that just opens you to the next step, right? Did that is that how you felt it went for you?
2: Yes, absolutely. And when you truly are exercising the energy and expanding your mind, there's so much magic everywhere on a daily basis. And I think if, if more of us start to really recognize the energy and the shifts and the the low vibrations and the high vibrations, when once you become tapped into that, it's like you are connected on a continuous basis and you just utilize that connection all the time for
1: guidance. Yeah. Like it turns a light bulb on.
0: Yeah. In my own mind, I'm picturing being with you, being around other people, and I know how you can just zero in on that vibration, and then you take it to that next level and are able to say why they have, and and, and that's what I find fascinating. You may, you've never met the person. You don't even have your hands on the person. It's really like trusting your vibes. like. Thousand percent. I can't believe you just said that trusting your
2: vibes when I zone in. And I love that you said that because I really can just zone in on one person and be like, uh oh, they're vibrating at a low rate. Something's not right. And then from there, I I, it's like peeling an onion. Then I go down a little bit further. Well, where in the body are they vibrating low? Why are they vibrating so low? Oh, I must tell them they're vibrating so low or striking up a conversation and adapting the conversation in the way that they truly need to see it. Right. So yes. is recognizing energy frequencies like a language. It's almost like Braille.
1: Yeah. Totally. So many questions. I was just going to say, because I think what you're also able to bring is that extra layer of energy reading that a doctor might not be able to pick up on. Right. So if a chakra is blocked, which is a real thing, which you can't see with a radiology, uh, picture or whatever, you know, that's something that you can actually work on and clearing so that that can work in, in partnership with the medical. Absolutely. Right? Yes, absolutely. It,
2: it truly is being able to tap in. Sometimes it's just an emotional blockage, right? They're having an emotional blockage, which is now causing a physical manifestation, so if they're having something emotional going on in their life or trauma from a previous relationship or a childhood, it will stay in that in the specific organs or chakra area. And that needs a lot of clearing and a lot of focus and a lot of work. I mean, I don't
0: know anyone else who does what you do. <laughs> it's really unbelievable. Thank you. And what are the other modalities? I know you have a wellness center in New Jersey. What are the other modalities that you think other people should know about?
2: One of the modalities that I do do that I think people should be mindful of is iridology. So I take pictures of the eye and I map specific energy blockages or stagnation because the eye is mapped back to the body, the organs and specific areas of the body. So I can see a lot of genetic predispositions in the eye. Um, It's not used necessarily as a diagnosis tool, but a prevention tool, right? Seeing It's great for people that have been adopted. You can see a lot of genetical stuff in there, as well as um, some organs that may be sluggish or not performing at full capacity. So that's a really great modality. I love that modality. We also offer acupuncture at our space, which is obviously old medicine as well. wash which is like a rubbing of the skin and uh, cupping, which is also bringing, you know, that the beautiful blood to the surface and that circulation. So it's still more energy, but there's just so many ways to tap into that old, uh, to the energy using old medicine.
1: So what is the approach, Allison, when somebody comes to your office to see you for um, a medical issue? How do you approach that first session?
2: Well, I do I do assess the concrete symptoms first, right? They usually come to me with a laundry list of some symptoms or how long it's been going on for. During that, um, I ask them all the mind, body, spirit questions. So not only is it physical, how are you how are you feeling in the mind? How, you know, what are your what are your thought patterns? I will also go over with them what their daily activities are from morning until evening. What are you eating? What are you drinking? What time do you have a companion when you're eating? Are you eating by yourself? Do you eat at your desk? Do you eat outside the office? Do you go for walks? It's everything. It encompasses their whole life. And then from there, I mean, I've even had a loved one step forward and be like, they're not taking care of themselves. They put themselves last and put everybody else first. And that's her real problem. Again, it could be mental turning into a physical manifestation.
0: So it really just varies across the board. Fascinating. It's it's smart. I mean, you have to go through in order to get to the root, whatever it may be. Absolutely.
1: Well, and the fact that you have this intuition already to be able to ask those questions about the whole mind, body, spirit, you know, when you go into a typical doctor's office, they don't ask
0: those questions. And I'm still stuck a little bit on the iridology because I didn't know what that was. And I think most people listening probably don't be able to have that as a potential tool to look into things going on in their body, that's a gift. I know that you also read angel cards. Mm. And how do you use that? First of all, what are angel cards? Because I think some people don't know what they are. And then how do you use them? In your readings, okay. So, great question. So, I so tarot
2: cards are the seventy-two cards. Tarot was given to us as a civilization or humanity by the Egyptians, and so the the cards themselves can be um, can have heavy energy or deep energy, but they're extremely useful in giving information all of my cards have angels on them because when you're working with clients, who doesn't love angels, right? So the energy is much lighter on the tarot cards than the traditional tarot that was created. Okay. So you have your major arcana and your minor, your major your major life events. And then you have your minor, which are the information that fills in in between. And I use those Only when spirit tells me to use them. So I have them next to me for every session all the time. And spirit may just say, you need to pick up that card. And I could have five decks and they'll tell me exactly which card to pick up. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes a client will go, can I just pick one? And they feel drawn. I let them pick it because they're somehow being drawn to the energy of the message on that card. So it's extremely useful to give more intuitive information versus mediumistic
0: information, right? So it's yes. from like a psychic perspective versus a mediumistic perspective. That's cool. Thank you for explaining that. I just I know that may come up too in our discussion about what how Irene's session went. So we'll get to that. One other question I have is: Are there certain universal messages? that you see or hear or feel over and over? Because I know you've been doing this for a long time. So is there anything you can share? Yeah, for me, the... The
2: universe loves to communicate with me in number sequences. There's lots of synchronicities that happens. There's constant number sequences for me. So that spirit is like, you're on the right path. Go this way. I always feel like it's a giant arrow. And I actually had an arrow necklace on for the longest time because I always felt like it was always just pointing me in the right direction. So whenever I see certain number sequences or synchronicities, to me, that's just the universe, like giving me a little fist pump and just saying. Keep going, girl. Love and that. You know, in my journal, Spirit always says to me, you are the light, be the light. That message has come to me for years. And before I truly started to practice, I didn't know what the message meant. I didn't know I was supposed to actually go be the light. Mm-hmm. others Shining light in dark spaces. So they had constantly told me, you are the light, period be the light, period. That was it. And I was like, what is this message? And it was only when I journaled. And so, you know, as far as the communication journaling, you are the light, be the light. And I tell everybody that I tag it on everything. I had dishes made with that honor. We are all the light and we just need to go be our light. So those are the beautiful ways
0: that I get messages. What are some misconceptions about what you do that you faced or what have you kind of had to endure when you made that change from the corporate world to doing this full time? Yeah, it, you know, I think people
2: are afraid of what they don't understand and what they don't know. The thought of speaking to a loved one that's passed on may make people feel uncomfortable or uneasy and I've really had to claim the weirdness if you will. I've I just started saying I'm just different, I'm just weird and I really just eventually I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the fact that I was different. I'm always there for everybody to ask questions and for me to explain and guide and help and I that's my mission. But when I'm I'm faced against someone who's very like so much of a skeptic, I
1: just, I just have to claim who I am and move on. I love that. I love, since I've known you, you've always been standing in that truth of who you are. And I think that that's why you do so well at what you do.
0: Well, and if you're considering yourself weird, I like being weird too.
1: So I just, I wrote that quote down. I think we're gonna have to use that one. Somewhere.
0: I It's great. I'm just a bunch of weirdos. So that's <laughs> awesome.
1: And there are other friends
2: that I have that are mediums and intuits and we call ourselves the weirdo group. Whenever we get together, it's the witches' dinner or the witches' drinks, or, you know, we just laugh because, you know, we we see the magic. We don't need to be convinced. We fall into the trap, and we, we just really, truly want to show everybody that there is magic out there. And it's like, if you start to expand your mind and you start to open up, you too will see the magic. You too will connect. You too will get the messages. And it's just a beautiful spot to be in.
0: It really is. And that is, I hope that everybody listening, that's why we're doing this. We want everybody to start to see it. There is magic everywhere. We weren't all like Allison, where we were seeing this when we were four or five years old, but we've been able to, as we've grown, start to see and feel the magic. So that's the hope. Because everybody has the gift. Mm -hmm. Yes, everybody has the gift.
1: You just have to be brave enough to follow that light. Be the weirdo. Be
0: the weirdo. I love it. That's what we all need to do. Love it. Because once you do it, then you
2: become invincible.
0: Now we're going to bring in Irene, who was fortunate enough to have a session with you. And I know that we were able to watch that session before we got going today. And I can't wait to talk about it.